And I would like to begin at the beginning because at the start of the season, many of you said the Bears did not do enough to surround Justin Fields with talent. Fair enough. They didn't have wide receivers. The offensive line was sus. Whatever. They went out, got Schofield. They got Riley Reef. Still, none of that was good enough. Fair enough. Week one, everybody concerned. The Bears go out, win a closely contested contest against the San Francisco 49ers that a lot of you hated. Hated that victory. Oh, wins and losses don't matter because we got to develop Justin Fields or whatever you were saying. Fair enough. You want to see a lot of offensive output. You don't care about wins and losses. That's whatever. Fast forward to this week. The, the, the Bears go out there. They score four touchdowns against one of the best defenses in the league. Move up and down the field seemingly at will. Every time the Bears got the football, you thought, hey, we could score. We're going to score. So it doesn't matter that we gave up nearly 50 points, right? None of that matters because all that matters was that we're developing Justin Fields. Nope. You guys were pissed. Couldn't stop complaining about it. No. How did we give up? So who, who cares? I thought you guys a month ago, two months ago said, all you cared about was Justin Fields developing. So fine. Then the bears go out. They trade Roquan Smith. I love Roquan Smith. He's a good football player. He's a good NFL player, but you know what? In the business of the NFL, it does not make fiscal sense to spend 20 mil on an off-the-ball linebacker. It just doesn't. And our parents' version of the Chicago Bears is never happening again. We're not keeping players around forever. We can become attached to these players. But at the same time, eventually they're going to lead. We traded them away. But listen, we traded away a guy on a defense that wasn't playing good. You guys were – you're not upset about that, right? Nope. Still pissed. Today, the Bears trade for Chase Claypool a DK Metcalf player type of player that we wanted three years ago. We wanted him and not Cole Komet. You're happy with that, right? You don't care about that. Oh, well, now we care about the draft picks. Now we care about everything. I understand that it was a little bit more expensive than you wanted to play. It's like when you go to Ticketmaster and you pay, pay the surge pricing that at the, at the moment, it's a little, costs a lot of money. Well, a couple months later, when you're at the show, you don't care. As long as you're out there enjoying Blink-182 or whatever it is, you don't care what you paid. You're just out there having a good time. You should be happy about that, right? Nope. Still complaining. What you need to understand, Ryan Poles has a vision for this team. He is molding the team. We might lose some of our fan favorites, but he is looking for a team that is big, physical, wide receivers who are big, physical, contribute, blocking as much as they do catching. And you went out and got a guy who can win 50-50 balls. I don't understand what the holdup is, but you know what? I've ranted long enough. Sammy, let's start the show. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Air Pura. Sports entertainment like no other. It's gonna be sick. It's Tuesday night. You know what that means. It is time for Take It to the Rank. I am Adam Rank, and I am very happy now that I have cleared the air. And by the way, we spend, we spend 90% of our time indoors. An indoor air can be five times dirtier than the air outside. An air pura air purifier can remove tobacco smoke, odors, VOCs, mold, wildfire smoke, chemicals, and viruses that enter into your household. The kids are back in school. They're bringing back viruses. All that stuff is going around. So check this out. If you want an air pura air purifier, head to airpura.com. Use the code 67 and you will get 7% off your offer, off your total or whatever. 7% off. This is a good deal. You want to be protected. But again, I've cleared the air, and uh, I've made Carmen wait in the green room for like 20 minutes. I'm sorry. Carmen Vitale joins us, one of the great reporters of the NFL. She covers the NFC North for FoxSports.com. Carmen, how are you doing this evening? Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little tired. You're a little bit <laughs> Listen, not only do you cover the Bears, <laughs> not only do you cover the Bears, your day started early with the TJ Hawkinson deal. 
He goes from the Detroit Lions to the Minnesota Vikings. What happened today? What was going on? What were your thoughts? I mean, yeah, I think it made a lot of sense because obviously the the Lions at one and six aren't going to do much this season. And you've started to see that they're becoming sellers and the Vikings are going all in. They recognize a very big opportunity in front of them. The Packers are struggling. The NFC is weakened overall and they're sitting at six and one. So um, I think that they're going all in. And if you if you had maybe a a want or a need on this offense, it could be a tight end, especially with Irv Smith Jr. going out. He could be out up to eight to ten weeks, which is what was reported today. So now you just go out and casually get a Pro Bowl player. Why not? Let's do it. No big deal. But the, but the Vikings have to realize that they're garbage, right? I mean, they're not winning anything. What? Am I wrong? They're not, they're not the little brother of the NFC North anymore. They're here and they're for real. And they're a lot of fun to watch. If you watch the Vikings, the Vikings games like I do, uh, they're a lot of fun to watch. And I'm really, I, I think that they're, I, they're a fun team. I like what they're doing. They're very complete. We saw a lot of good stuff after the bye week, uh, as far as adjustments go on both sides of the ball. And I don't know. I really like Kevin O'Connell and so do his players I, and so do the coaches. I will tell you this, Carmen, and I, I know this will upset a lot of people who are watching right now who I've already upset by being upset with them. I like KOC. I actually do really like Kirk Cousins. I watch a lot of Vikings games because I have so many shares of Vikings players on all my fantasy teams. So I do know. I tease them. It is fun. It's a fun – like, the, the the rivalry with the Vikings seems less bitter than the one with the Packers. Like, I legitimately hate the Packers. I don't really hate the Vikings. And like I said, I have so many of them on my fantasy teams, which leads to mind that underdog fantasy is the easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's simple to get started. Just head to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. And when you sign up and you use the promo code SICK, they, they, they being underdog, or should be it, it will double your first deposit up to $100. It is sincerely the easiest way. Underdog Fantasy, it's awesome. It's great to have the app on your phone because you know what? You get all these updates. You find out when people score. Like I'm watching the Bears game and I'm highly invested in what's going on with them. But I can look down at my phone. Oh, look, Kirk Cousins just threw a touchdown pass to some random tight end I had never heard of. What was it Johnny Munt? Um, whomever. But at the same time, so Underdog Fantasy, go to underdogfantasy.com. We thank them so much for being a sponsor of the show. So we do. Okay, the Vikings are fine. Let's not worry about them. Let's get into the Bears. I want your takeaway. Let's start with the Roquan Smith trade. What were your feelings on that? And uh, how is everybody How is everybody in Hallis Hall feeling about it? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's an overall win for, for the Bears. For I mean – Yesterday, at least, it was like, okay, you know, this team is is doing something about they're they're selling off some stuff right now. And I think what Ryan Pulse said today in his press conference was that there really wasn't a hope of getting anything done with Roquan Smith. That became blatantly apparent when both sides gave their finals prior to the season even starting. And so I think it was really smart what Ryan Pulse did, which was hang on to him until the trade deadline when you got teams that are willing to make some moves and you get the best possible return you, you can for Roquan Smith. And I think it was just a really smart, really savvy, use the leverage that you have type of move. Um, he did say that, you know, he it was a new coaching staff. He wanted to see how it worked. And I guess in so many words without saying that, obviously, I guess it didn't. Um, yeah. But he did thank Roquan for everything that he's done for the organization. But the two sides were just at an impasse. I mean, Roquan Smith, he wouldn't say what the number was that Roquan was aiming for, but he wants top linebacker money. And that's not something that the Bears want to invest in going forward, um, even though they do have so much cap space next year. Yeah, so I, I just thought it was it was a win to get that to get the return you did on him. Would there have been any sort of compensatory pick if the Bears had uh, lost him in free agency this upcoming season? I, th- I believe there would have been, just given that you know he was a first round pick, and um, you know, like they, but I don't. I don't know that it would have been necessarily free agency because his contract would have expired. Right. So it's like, if he, if it, if yeah, I'm not, I'm not totally sure on how all that works. Actually. I'd have to go and look that up. That's not an angle that I had thought of. We always seem to get burned on it anyway. So I would rather just go out and get the second round pick and second and fifth round pick and not have to worry about it. And I just felt like to me, 
it's a refreshing change. And it just, to me, again, shows that Ryan Poles has a clear vision for this team. And I think that him and Matt Eberflus work in concert together. They've decided that he is not fitting the scheme. And I think that you can go out and pop in the tape and see that play out in, in real time. And so if you've got to move on, I think it's okay to like Roquan Smith, to be bummed to see that Roquan Smith, the human being, is leaving. But at the same time, realize it's kind of the best thing for the Bears. And it felt like Jalen Johnson said something similar about that when he spoke to the media. Was it yesterday? Yeah, no. And I mean, that's you, you get the human side of it. And Brian Pohl said that today, too. He used that exact word. He said he was bummed. He's bummed yeah. that, but it, it was bummed that he couldn't, that he thought that Roquan Smith, you know, when he took the job as general manager of the Bears, I think he legitimately thought that Roquan Smith was going to be here for a long time. And he said that today. Um, and he's bummed that that's not the case. But again, when you realize the business side of things and you want to build an entirely new team, because that's what this Bears regime is going to be doing this offseason. Um, you know, if you're not, if you can't come to an agreement, you can't come to an agreement. And so I, you know, they, we wished him the best. He's going to be very good for Baltimore. I thought it was very interesting too. This was brought up uh, in a discussion with my editors, actually. The Ravens now have to get major deals done with two players that do not have representation. Roquan Smith doesn't have an agent. Lamar yeah. Jackson doesn't have an agent. Those are two very big contracts that are going to be coming up that the Ravens are going to have to deal with without having, and, and Ryan Poles even said it today. He said, yes, not having representation did make the process harder with Roquan. So I just think, I mean, that's, that's, that's an aside because Roquan is now a Raven, but I thought that was really interesting uh, and a really interesting angle on it. No, absolutely. And I think it'll be something that Bears fans should keep in mind during the offseason, whether he gets franchise tagged, which might not be an option because they might have to do it with Lamar Jackson. So if he ends up being cut or not cut, but, you know, free on the open market. Now, I don't think he's coming back, but at the same time, realize like this is a headache that we just avoided. And yeah. we instead used not necessarily that pick, but because we had an extra second round pick, it makes it more palatable to send one to the Pittsburgh Steelers for Chase Claypool. And I'm curious to get your read on what the Chase Claypool situation brings to the Chicago Bears. Yeah, that was that was a total surprise, to be quite honest, just because I thought that the Bears had made it very clear that they were sellers in, in this yeah. trade deadline market. You know, Robert Quinn and then Robert Warcon Smith, two of your defensive captains. Um, and then to go out, and I think that, you know, the more I thought about it, though, I, again, this basically, you traded away Roquan Smith to move down in the second round and then pick up an extra pick. So, and and the, and the linebacker, Alec, um, this is terrible that I'm forgetting his last name, but the, no, <laughs> the no. other linebacker that the Bears got uh, in the trade with, with, with the Ravens. Um, but no, I, and that's kind of what ended up happening here. And I think it's going to be interesting that now Chase is going to get the opportunity to gel a little bit with Justin Fields ahead of next year. But also, I mean, with the wide receiver market the way it is, if you wanted to bring in a wide receiver in free agency, it's going to cost you a lot more yeah. than $1.5 million next year because that's what Chase Claypool's base salary is for next year. And he's only costing about a half a mil for the rest of this season. So it was a very low-risk move. And again, I just think it was very savvy. And then, you know, if he does gel with Justin Fields, that means they have a head start on next season. And it does help you evaluate Justin Fields a little bit more. And I think that's the key piece here is to help figure out what you still have in Justin Fields. While at the same time, I think this was a really good vote of confidence in, hey, we think you can be the guy. And this is the coming from Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus to, to Justin Fields. You can be the guy. And now we're going to surround you with a couple of things now to, to make sure and to kind of validate our hunch that you are our guy moving forward. Um, I am a little bit torn as to whether that help should have come in the form of a wide receiver or maybe an offensive lineman that could have at least right. protected him to like until we get to next year. <laughs> um, that was my, that's my only hang up with this whole thing, but I also don't know what the market, what, you know, who was on the trading block as far as offensive tackles or even guards at this point go. Um, so I, I, it's interesting. It, like at first I was like, the bears did what? Huh. Um, and then my second thought though was like, Oh, green Bay. 
Yeah. You lose. <laughs> like, Sorry, Green Bay. It's been wildly report or widely reported that widely. They, they were in on Chase Claypool. And even Aaron Rodgers said it. And he was like, on the Pat McAfee show, he was like, I was hoping I was going to have some trade news to break. But the nope. Bears beat him to the punch. And yeah. yeah, and the backers did nothing too. So I think that that was... If Bears fans like want to feel better about that trade, maybe that's just like the cherry on top is that you beat the Packers to a player. Sorry, I have the uh, students from Inglewood High School passing by the window right here. A couple of them were on Fantasy Live today making their television debut. So that was awesome to see them. So I'm waving hi to them if that's a little bit distracting to everybody. Didn't mean to cut you off or anything like that. I love, you know, the more that I, I think about this, and about Chase Claypool. And again, I made the analogy about, you know, sometimes you overspend for things. And you know what? Next year, if Chase Claypool comes in and kills it, we're not going to care that it was a second round pick. You just, those things just don't matter. I look at Chase Claypool as somebody who is a difference maker, especially when you need 50 50 balls. Think about the play that Darnell Mooney could not convert against the Washington Commanders. I think Chase Claypool makes that catch. I think that we saw Keel Harry make a catch on Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys where he used his body like Charles Barkley. And a lot of you need to go Google Charles Barkley and find out who he was. I will try to update my basketball references. But used his body to shield himself against the receiver and make the catch. You compare that to what Dante Pettis did not do by turning the wrong way and then having to turn his shoulder, missing what should have been a sure touchdown. Chase Claypool comes in makes a huge difference there. I think the Steelers team over the last couple of years, you listen, like one of my friends who's a Steelers fan texted me like, you guys got fleeced. And I'm like, shut up. Like, I don't even want to listen to that because you've been complaining about this Steelers offense for the last three years. So to me, your complaints about the Steelers offense means you're not getting the most out of the talent that you have there. So number one, Chase Claypool, probably not being utilized the way that he should be. Getsy comes in and Getsy has a clear idea of like I every time like I have so much confidence in this coaching staff and this regime that they have a clear idea of what they're doing of the type of player that they want to bring in like there's, there's no there's no mistake that they bring in a big bodied guy who can move people around and create separation on their own go out there and win those 50-50 balls I love the idea of seeing what Chase Claypool can do a lot of us loved him coming into this season so I think there's nothing but positives about this and really you know, again, the price of it, it is what it is. Like, you guys want us to get involved and protect Justin Fields and surround him with talent? That's cool. I think that that's a pretty good one. And to speak um, on the offensive line, I had an interesting conversation on Monday night on the NFL game day post with Brian Baldinger and me. And I was asking him, he said, he told me flat out talking about this. He said, you know what? He's like, I don't think the Bears offensive line is as bad as people make it out to be. We just want, like, I, if you were watching the Monday night game, not, not you, Carmen, but the people in general, the Bengals went out there and spent a lot of money to bring in three new starters on the offensive line. They brought in Alex Kappa. They brought in uh, Lael Collins and one other player who we can't think of at the moment. But Joe Burrow is getting smoked, like, constantly. So I, I think that the Bears don't have the best offensive line in the league. We're not the Eagles, but it's certainly not the worst. So I think that this was a pretty good move. I'm very happy with it. I think that we can go out there and make some noise. I love the way the offense is running now. I think there's a lot of positives to be brought out of this. Another positive, though, is some of the players who are not traded. And I think most importantly, David Montgomery, not dealt at the deadline. And we saw guys like Chase Edmonds getting dealt. We saw Jeff Wilson Jr. being dealt. So there was a market for running backs the Bears did not engage. Does this mean that perhaps he's involved in the long-term future for the Bears? I would hope so. And again, I keep saying this because I think that it's – I just – I don't see the incentive to just have one featured back anymore. I think that to be an effective offense and to run the ball as much as teams are starting to run the ball more, you need two backs. And it's not fair to put that on, that load, especially with what running backs are – you know, expected to do these days. I mean, they're supposed to be blockers at this point and they, they're supposed to be able to catch passes out of the backfield and be involved on every down. And that's just, you're going to put a wear and tear on a guy very quickly. If you expect that all that production to come from one person. So 
I like having a tandem. I like having two backs. I think that that's a recipe for success, especially when you have such a dynamic offense like the Bears are building. I mean, a lot is predicated on the run, and they are a run-first team at this point. They've got the best rushing offense in the league. And to keep that up, I, I don't see that going away entirely. Like, yes, I think that obviously Fields is going to have to pass the ball a little bit more, and he's getting more comfortable, and we can see that. Yeah. He just had his best passer rating of his career on Sunday at, with one, at a, with a 120 rating. But that doesn't mean that this running game is going to go away, and nor should it. Never. And yeah. I, I keep talking about this, too. It's a cyclical league. Defenses are built to defend the pass now. Well, how do you stay one step ahead of those defenses? You run right. the ball. So I feel like we're starting to see that, and it's it's coming. The, the way it's evolved, I feel like the running game is evolving now, is including these di- these dual-threat quarterbacks, which, oh, hey, the Bears have. So, But it doesn't work unless you have also other backs and you place an emphasis on the run. So I'm really ecstatic that it seems like Dave Montgomery is in the long-term plans. Him with Khalil Herbert is an incredible one to punch. It's a great tandem. And then add in Justin Fields to that, where now you're designing a lot more runs for him and you're kind of letting him loose and getting him to be more comfortable and have a little bit more control over what he's doing. Um, I I love it. And I think that it's going to be really hard to defend. Yeah, I mean, Justin Fields on pace for over 900 rushing yards this season. I think that would beat Bobby Douglas's record. The thing of it is, you look at a team like the Seattle Seahawks, one of the reasons that they're so successful this year is because how well they run the football. Obviously, Mm -hmm. Kenneth Walker having a magnificent year. I think that's the formula. I think that's the way to go. And now you're building a team that's surrounding itself with guys who can run. We have multiple multiple running threats, including our quarterback. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, this team at three and five, I think that, you know, you look at the commander's game, that feels like one that got away. You look at, and if, if they went up, and I don't want to go over every one of them, but let's just say the commander's game is the one that stands out to me the most. Like if this team was four and four, I mean, like, yeah, they're in the hunt. Like right now when they put up the graphics, you watch, you know, total access or anything like that. And they put up the, in the hunt, the bears are there three and five. Now the schedule is going to be a little bit more difficult than we thought it was going to be at the beginning of the year. Cause some of these NFC East teams are playing way better than we thought, but I think the bears are there. And I think a big reason why is their ability to run the football. And as we, you know, sort of weaken the defense, we will need to be able to play a little bit more ball control. But I thought that, you know, speaking specifically on the passing, you know, every time that I'm watching a game and we, you know, and of course, if you are in the Southern California area this Sunday, we will be at rip beer company, PCH location for the bears dolphins. Probably not going to be a national game. I know we did have a few fans out this week, even though the Cowboys were the national game. Uh, but we still had some fans there. We appreciate everybody who did that. I always say, like, Justin, get rid of the ball. Like, I'm watching it. I'm nervous. I'm like a parent out there. I'm like, throw the ball. Justin, throw it. Just fire, fire, fire the ball. Fire. And you know what? I'm saying that less and less. He's looking more decisive. Mm-hmm. And hopefully Chase Claypool can uh, help out there. By the way, I want to float, float this out there, too. Next year in free agency. I know everybody's going to be thinking about wide receivers, linemen. I want to put this out there into the universe. Mike Kosicki. Mike Kosicki, let's run some 12 personnel with Cole Komet, and let's go. I will uh, – I know that I – we're too far ahead of it. Let's – We. you don't have to indulge my fantasies here, but here's my thing. <laughs> Defensively, though, again, talking about David Montgomery not being traded, that was huge. Tevin Jenkins not being traded – you were a lunatic if you thought that was going to happen. But one that could have possibly happened, Eddie Jackson stays with the team. Again, I felt like that was an outside – I didn't really buy into that. But Eddie Jackson staying, that has to be another positive, yes? I think so. But, I, I mean, I think really the only reason that Roquan Smith was dealt was, again, because he was expecting this market-setting contract. And yeah. there was not something the Bears were willing to do. I mean, you have Eddie Jackson locked up for a while now, so – that's not an issue with him. I don't think it was that they wanted to get all of the I, – I see a lot of sentiments kind of floating around on Twitter like, oh, Poles is get, just getting rid of all of the old guys. And all it's like – yeah, like, and I'm like, I don't think that that was really the motivation at all. I yeah. think it was offloading what was going to be a really big contract. And, I like, I think that it pays off to have some veteran presence, obviously, in that, in that locker room and on that defense because it is a very young team on both sides of the ball. So if you can have a couple of these defensive leaders and guys that have been there before, 
I mean, Eddie Jackson too is just playing so much freer this year. It's yeah. definitely, you know, after bringing in Jaquan Brisker, like he's happy as a clam back there playing that free safety role. And we've seen it pay dividends already. He's got multiple interceptions this season. And you can just tell like he's playing his game. And I think that you don't want to mess with that. And again, like he is, he's very well liked in that locker room and and by Bears fans in general. So again, I don't yeah. think that this was a, this, the motivation was to get rid of all of Brian Pace's guys and, and only bring in your own ones. I mean, that just, that's not feasible, but I like, I think that there's an encouraging that's, that's encouraging. And to again, know that like these guys are being realistic about this. And I really like the plan that we're seeing so far from Ryan Poles. No, I love the plan too. It feels like something that's built for sustained success. I think that, you know, too many times the bears were caught in this trap of trying to keep the magic going, extending a party that really shouldn't have been extended, trying to give too much, like, I don't know, too much leeway. And I know a lot, and, and this is a thing, I don't know if this is necessarily a Chicago thing, but it always feels like it. Like always wanting to live in the past of like, oh, we've always had great linebackers and all. And like, yeah, that's true. Like we, we still can. Like, I don't think that we're not going to have good linebackers in the future, but at some point, you know, you got to be realistic about what your worth is. And it's funny to me that like the people who really hated the Roquan Smith trade were all the boomers. Like all the, all the olds hated that trade because like it, it goes with the sentimentality, like, Oh, like a traditional great bears linebacker. It's tough to see them go. And it really is. I love Roquan Smith, but you played yourself. You messed around and found out like, I'm sorry. Like that's just the way it goes. There's really nothing you can do. And where regimes in the past might've gotten caught up in the public relations battle and been like, all right, we'll pay you 20 mil. We would have been sitting here two years from now being like, why are we paying him all this money? Our team is up against the cap. We've got to extend Justin Fields. We don't have money. We got it, you know? And so I think that Ryan Poles is going out there and he's like, this is what I would like to see. And I think if Roquan had representation or at least a more realistic idea of what his position commands in the NFL, he might've been signed long-term and we wouldn't even have to have this conversation. But unfortunately, the business of football being what it was, and you can say, listen, I hate it. I hate the business of football. I would rather all these guys play for the Bears forever. But unfortunately, it doesn't quite work out that way. But I think that Ryan Poles knows what he's doing. We need to trust the process and uh, have And by the way, and this goes out and people know who they are. Whenever you're comparing what other teams traded for players, remember who are first round picks on a on a player, on a team-friendly deal, as opposed to, you know, Roquan Smith being at the very end of his contract, Bobby Quinn being at the end of his career and letting him go out with a winner. There's differences. Then, So don't, it's not a, it's not a, it's always a straight comparison. But in any event, uh, I wonder if we have any questions. Do we have questions, Sammy? Here we are. Jacob, uh, are you now concerned that the Bears defense with Quinn and Smith gone after the horrible performance versus Dallas. Uh, we don't care anymore. Didn't you hear? Everybody told us at the beginning of the year, none of that matters. All that matters is developing Justin Fields. So I guess I don't care. What do you think, Carmen? I mean, I want to be very clear. Like, I'm still not expecting the Bears to win a lot more games or contend this year uh, just because they got Chase Claypool. Like, Again, this is for the development of Justin Fields. So, yeah, you are kind of taking the focus off the defense a little bit and you are putting it on the offense. So we need to keep our expectations in check. And I do think that there's going to be a major step back in this defense. I mean, Robert Quinn, while he hadn't had the production so far this season, he's still a very well-respected player in this league. Offenses have to respect him. They have to account for him um, as far as as a rusher. So, like, that's going to be gone now, and you're going to have the chance for some younger players to step up. Roquan Smith, again, he was directing traffic, and that is a big loss. It's going to be interesting to see who steps up. And because if I'm not mistaken, Roquan Smith was wearing the green dot, so he's calling the defense yes, on the right. field. And that's the biggest thing here where I think you're probably going to end up seeing some maybe, I don't know, some miscommunications 
and and some kind of boneheaded like I, I won't be surprised if you know they end up with 12 guys on the field a couple of times or if maybe they're not set right away when the offense snaps the ball or stuff like that because that's all kind of feeds into who you have relaying all of the calls to the rest of the players and how much of a handle they have on the defense and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be interesting who they have wearing the headset now. Um, and I think that because of that, inevitably this defense is going to take a step back. And so, yeah, I mean, I I'm concerned, but like, again, my expectations were never that the bears were going to keep winning. It was, this is, this is to, this is to develop Justin Fields this is to focus on the offensive side of the ball. And then you can completely retool uh, this coming off season. Yeah, it is going to be one of those things that even though Bobby Quinn was not putting up the sack totals that he had a year ago, he's still getting to the quarterback, forcing the quarterback to get rid of the ball before he wants to. But at the same time, let's realize that the Dallas Cowboys are a very good football team. Right. And it's very difficult to stop the run against a team like that. The Dolphins are a very good football team as well. We might see Roheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. rush for 400 yards. Um, okay. But again, we're going to go out there. Of the, it's it's a different experience of like, well, here comes our offense. Like, I feel pretty good about this. Like, it feels night and day. And for everybody who a couple of weeks ago were wondering what Luke Getze was doing, who are, who are hearkening back to the Matt Nagy era, being like, oh, why can't we go back to the three and out? Like, at least we're interesting. We're scoring points. I think the defense can play. I don't think that what we saw in Dallas was indicative of what we're going to see moving forward. There were a lot of things going on. Robert Quinn being traded during the middle of the week. We were coming off a Monday night game. Like a lot of times teams that play on Monday night do not have to go back out on the road, especially in a national game against a very good football team. So that was a little bit unusual. So let's see what happens against Miami will be a very good indication of where I get it. But again, that's a good offense. So it's not going to be, you know, well, Dallas had a- Dallas had Dak back for the second game, and so like he was shook right. all the rust off the, for the game before, and then he was like firing on all cylinders when it came to the game against the Bears. And there were some yeah. times where they, you know, they they kind of made it a little bit interesting towards the end. They did of the oh first half. <laughs> they did, and I don't even you know. And part of the game changed too. You know, David Montgomery trying to extend a play, trying to make, trying to get that first down. He fumbles. Justin Field, I didn't go. And the thing, I, I had this conversation with people like Justin Field, so embarrassing. And I said this to Brian Baldinger last night. I said, uh, Justin did exactly what I would have wanted him to do in that situation. Like, don't get hurt. Yeah. Just jump over him. We have, you have 10 other guys out there that can tackle him. Don't, don't concern yourself with, why are you even there? Like, yeah. I appreciate you hustling. Hustling down You're there, you know. Definitely not a loaf. Especially when it's. Hustling. When it's Micah Parsons, like yeah, this is, this is jump out of his way. You did the, you did the right thing. You're fine with me. I would have given you a gold star. That's exactly what I wanted you to do. Avoid all contact, get out of there. Uh, let your teammates hopefully bring them down. And actually I started the Cowboys defense in fantasy. So, I did too. Uh, I did so I'm too. like, ah, I'm not really upset if Micah Parsons is going to score this touchdown. I mean, I am, but again, I've been told I they beaten they beat me out of wanting to win football games because I was told that after week one that I could not be happy about that game. So now all I care about is now I'm like watching it like a fantasy I, football person. I, I, I want the fantasy points. I'll start Justin in my fantasy leagues, and that's how I will now look at this this schedule. But I do. I listen. I I look at this thing. I'm like, let's make a playoff run. Let it be fun be fun to be in the playoffs let's follow that eagles trajectory and uh i think we're uh, god because i don't you know i don't want to compare them because i think aj brown is definitely a better player than chase claypool like i'm not insane but you look at the impact that somebody like aj brown has with the eagles and i'm like well this is the kind of thing that kind of like this spreads itself around you know having aj brown out there and by the way and I only know this from a fantasy perspective, A.J. Brown scored 20 fantasy points in week one, did not approach 20 points until last week, going up against that terrible Steelers secondary that stops absolutely nobody. But having A.J. Brown out there has made Miles Sanders a much better player. It makes Mm -hmm. Devonta Smith a much better player, Dallas Goddard, and of course, Jalen Hurts. That's the one thing that I'm looking for with Chase Claypool is that, okay, well now Darnell Mooney might get more one-on-one opportunities. We might have chances to 
get designed plays in for Valus Jones. David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, both those guys can benefit. Cole Komet could also benefit. So, again, I think his we're – His former teammate. We got a lot of – like we, I think we got – Notre Dame guys. Four of them because Equinemia St. Brown and there's one other yeah. guy too whose name escapes me who I'm not thinking of. I'm, I can think of it, but I can't say it. But anyways, uh, Sammy, how about another question? Oh, Bert, sorry to keep you waiting. Uh, do you think the choice will be edge rusher or offensive tackle depending on who the best player available is? is with the first pick next year. Yeah, who do you think? Like, what do you what do you think? Well, I, I, I hesitate to say best player available, but I almost expect that from Ryan Poles, even after one year. I mean, yeah, we saw him do exactly that last year, where he, people thought he was going to take a wide receiver and offensive tackle with their first picks in the second round, and he went back-to-back defensive backs, and those have paid dividends so far. So he's not been deterred from making that kind of decision. That being said, you don't need a quarterback. And you're probably going to be picking higher in the first round, if I had to guess. So at that point, you can get yourself. I mean, like, you're still probably not going to have an an opportunity to get a guy like Will Anderson. uh, Because I would think that he's potentially going top two, top three. Like, he's like, he should. I mean, quarterbacks rise, and we know that based on need and all that kind of stuff. But I'm thinking Will Anderson is not going to be available there. But, you, I mean, there's still, there are other edge rushers, and that's going to be, got to be a main focus. Uh, offensive tackles too, but you can also, I do think, and this is just kind of a hunch, but because of Ryan Poles, his, you know, his background of being an offensive lineman and the fact that the Bears current starting left tackle is a fifth rounder out of Southern Utah. I feel like he probably has, takes a lot of pride in -hmm. being able to evaluate offensive linemen and find diamonds in the rough. So while like I think there can be arguments made for both sides, like then that means he's going to prioritize it and he would make a first round pick or use a first round pick on an offensive lineman, or it's going to mean that he's going to be like, you know what? No, I can get one in the second, third, fourth round. And he's going to start for me. And cause I know exactly what I'm looking for and yada, yada, yada. So if I had to guess, I think I'd probably lean more edge rusher. You can never have too much, too many pass rushers either. So yeah. I, but I have to think that that's probably the motivation at this point. Um, as you're retooling, I feel like you need a quarterback. You have that uh, offensive line. You're getting that, and you need a guy to get after the quarterback. So quarterback, guy to protect the quarterback, guy to get after the quarterback for the other team or on the other team. So though that's like you know I don't know, but I will say. I really do trust Ryan Poles' instincts on offensive linemen, not just because he was an offensive lineman, but just in this first year because of Braxton Jones. But also, I mean, the move, moving Tevin Jenkins to right guard. I was going to say, does, does he get credit for that? Because I kind of feel He like has to. Still. He yeah. absolutely gets credit for that. And Tevin Jenkins might be the best offensive lineman the Bears have right now. With Easily. Lucas Patrick out, with Cody Whitehair out right now. Um, I was actually talking to another offensive line guru, A.Q. Shipley, about it. Um, and actually him and I have kind of been talking and kind of trading plays um, about the Bears offensive line because I, I lean on a lot of people. You know, I want a lot of opinions from guys that I trust that know how no offensive line play to tell me what's really going on with the Bears and stuff like that. And we're, you know, like I'll, I'll send him play and be like, hey, I saw this, this and this. Does this work? Whatever. And like every single time, though, I'm telling you, AQ is like, yo, I really like that right guard for Chicago. I love Tevin Jenkins. Like he likes the way that he plays. He, he's, he tells me all the time he plays like a prick and yeah. that's exactly what you want because that's a tone setter. And I think the more confident that Tevin Jenkins becomes, the more experience he gets in that line, in that spot on the line, you're looking at a tone setter and a leader for that line going into next year. And if they play with that nasty streak and he brings out the prick in all of them, more power to him. And forgive me if I'm wrong, but it felt like Ryan Poles came out and kind of, you know, took some blame for the way that the situation with Tevin Jenkins was handled over the off season. And now it just feels like it's the only time it comes up is like people who aren't paying attention. Like, no, we've settled that. Like that, that beef is squashed. Like there's no, I think he knows moving forward, which which is always why I felt, felt it was silly that people suggested that Tevin Jenkins could be dealt like at the trade deadline. You're like, you got to be kidding me. Like there's no way he plays. I don't think yeah, I don't think anybody knows his value more than the Bears do. Like, the Bears know his value better than anybody else does. And so, quite frankly, I think he's a little bit of a well-kept secret at this point. And I feel like next year, that's when you're going to kind of see 
um, when you do get maybe a little bit more help along that line. Because don't get me wrong, they're still, they're not the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. And that's the difference between right. a Philadelphia-like season is this All offensive right. line. All right. Fair, just, fair enough. Fair. All right. I, I got it. 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 I get it. I get it. Here's my thing. Is uh, number one, the answer to Bert's question, I really do believe that where the cow or where the where the Bears will be drafting will be similar to where the Cowboys were a couple of years ago, like outside of the top 10, because they're not one of the 10 worst teams. But right in a spot where, remember, Micah Parsons was like the 11th overall, 10th overall, 11th overall pick. We've seen players like Patrick Sertan fall. I mean, obviously, because we got Justin Fields because of it. But, like, we've seen quality defensive players fall. I think that teams are going to reach on some quarterbacks. And there's going to be a lot of other, like, weird picks that go on because Jacksonville still exists in the world. And you know what? We're going to end up with somebody who's probably a lot better we're going to be very fortunate to end up with somebody and be like, Oh, I couldn't, can't believe that this player is still there. And if by some, if something happens where, and I can't imagine a scenario of this being actually true, but if the bears were in the top five, then they would trade out of that. There's like no reason to stay in the top five, especially when you don't need a quarterback, you move back, you acquire some picks. There still might be an opportunity to acquire some picks, which I think that he could do because the positions he's going to be looking for, is going to be the three technique, which you do not use a top 10, top 10, top 15 pick on. And you could probably get a guy who can brush the passer towards the end of the first round as well. Probably more one dimensional than you would see like an all around player. So I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunity for Ryan Poles to improve this team with the picks. We haven't seen him with the first round pick yet. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see what he does and uh, kind of how his, uh, how his motive operandi goes but by the way i want to remind everybody if you're watching the show right now please comment sick and hit the like button share it if you can and by the way if you listen to us as a podcast after the fact thank you uh we do appreciate it please like subscribe share it rate it do what you got to do we do appreciate each and every one of you who come in here and uh, comment and all that stuff and let's go to the comment section again sammy if we could get another question out there uh raymond Roquan is not one of the great Bears linebackers. He was a really good linebacker that was on the Bears, not a great one. Well, I mean, we could be splitting hairs on this one. I thought Roquan was exceptional. I, I, I really thought that he was an excellent player for us. Now, obviously, he does not have the longevity of players like Brian Urlacher and Lance Briggs and even going further back of Dick Buckus and all those players. But at the same time, I guess, you know, there are some – I can understand your point. Like Wilbur Marshall, I guess, doesn't get thought of as one of the great all-time Bears linebackers because he was here for a short time before he bounced to Washington. But still, I don't know. I think we're splitting hairs. Let's not be let's not be mean to Roquan. Well, and I mean, he was a captain, too. He's a defensive he a captain. captain, and he was a draft pick, a high draft pick uh, for the Chicago Bears, too. So I feel like he has a place in the narrative and in the story of, of this franchise, for sure. But yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't, he was all he, I mean, he also is a very productive, he's their most productive defensive player by far. I mean, he leads the league in tackles right now. Yeah. And that's something that the bears have very much needed because there's been a lot of offense against them, unfortunately, because their defense have been, has been on the field a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, he has his place in for sure. Just, just given the fact that he was first round pick alone. Um, but there's like, but the, yeah. Yeah, the, the 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 like if you're if if you're scoring them based with like Lance and Brian wow. being the top, yeah. like that's that's not, something yeah. very high to live up to. I mean, right. that's I don't I don't feel like that's a fair scale or a fair assessment. If, if like the, what it takes to be a great linebacker in Bears history is that you had to be on that level, because that's just not attainable. I don't think for anybody. Yeah, level. I mean, if he played for the Lions, he'd be their number two all time linebacker behind Joe Schmidt or something like that. With the Bears, it's a it's a crowded class, obviously. But you know what? There's a lot of people gutted because he was drafted because he was one of their favorite players. You see a lot of 58 jerseys anytime you go out to a Bears event. So, like, he legitimately is a Bears great. I understand where you're coming from, Ryan. I don't want to take that away, but at the same time, chill out. And there's no need. There's no need to insult him on his way out the door. Don't be these people that now try to be like, well, he was kind of no, – no, we're not doing that. There's no need for that. He was a very good player for us. He was a great player for us. Things did not work out. It's fine. Sometimes you have to move on, and it's okay. 
You can still cherish the time that we had together, but you know what? Ultimately, the business of football being what it was, you had to let him go or you had to trade him. We root for him now when he plays for the Baltimore Ravens. I have some skin in the game. When we're watching the playoffs this year on the AFC side, and I'll be like, oh, look at Roquan making plays. I will be very happy for him, and it's fine. And we're going to be good, and we can also cheer for our team as well. All right, how about another one, Sammy? Uh, what would the offense look like with Claypool moving forward? Again, I think that it's going to be more physical. What do you think? Yeah, and I mean, I think that you're going to probably this, – this takes some of the pressure off of the tight ends too. I think you're probably going to see less of that 12 – the multiple tight end sets, the 12 Ooh, personnel yeah. sets – um, because in favor of putting more receivers on the field, because now you feel like you have more receivers to put on the field. And you alluded to it before, too. Like, I think Chase Claypool is going to take some of the attention off of Darnell Mooney. I think the part of the reason that Mooney has not been as productive this year is A, there just hasn't been a big sample size because the Bears haven't passed the ball a ton. I get that. But at the same time, like, it's not hard to take away one person that you know is that Justin Fields is going to try to get the ball to. And that's exactly yeah. what defenses have been doing is like, you know, you see Mooney and he's locked up with, you know, one of their best corners or doubled or, you know, safety help over top. One of those things like they are accounting for him and then they have defenders to spare. This takes that away. And so now, and especially now that Nikhil Harry is healthy and he's back and then you hope to get Brian Byron Pringle back perhaps in a, in a few weeks. Um, you know, so now it's like you, you, Still run first because that is still your strength. You got yeah. David Montgomery, you got Khalil Herbert, you got a running quarterback. Start with that. But then that opens up this, you know, play action game too, that now you can take advantage of with me when you put more receivers on the field. So, and then with that, with Cole maybe not being expected to do as much, um, that could open up some of the, some stuff for him too. Although, I mean, again, as, as much as he has not been a factor in the passing game, really, um, He's a great blocker still, and he's doing yeah. his job. And that's what he was, you know, that's what he was in college. That's what he is right now. He's a blocking tight end. Totally cool. uh, they're they're making him into a receiver, and he's gotten he's made strides in that. But now, if he doesn't have to be like an extension of the receiving game, and he can just kind of be used on certain gadget plays, and and just to kind of throw off defenses and exploit some mismatches that maybe they identify, um, I think that you could see maybe better production from him. Plus. Yeah, like that's that's his boy, Jason, Jason Cole. Like they, I feel like the Bears, like the media department, really needs to take advantage of this because those two oh, are yeah. so close. And like, yeah, like the Chase and Cole, the adventures of Chase and Cole, or something like that. Uh, I just I, I see it in my head, and I want it. I'm, I'm manifesting it for them because I think that'd be some great content. No, it'd be well, amazing, and I, I love it. They've already been posting the highlights and the photos of those two guys from college. Right. And you know what? And it also, too, you know, you, you look back at a couple of these games this season that the Bears lost, the Giants game in particular, the, the Commanders game especially, the inability to score in the red zone. Even going against – you want to bring back the game against the Packers where we were stuffed at the goal line. You know, getting the ball into the end zone is a huge key for this team. And let's look back at Chase Claypool's rookie season where he had what? Was it 8, 9, 10, 11 – he had a lot of touchdowns. He was amazing. Now, last year he regressed because noodle arm Ben Roethlisberger couldn't throw the ball anymore. And, you know, this year playing with, you know, Mitch, playing with Mitch and Kenny Pickett, who's somehow worse than Mitch Trubisky. Um, that's not fair to Mitch. But the point is, is that he has the ability to be a difference maker near the goal line. And yeah. so that is where you can change the outcome of a lot of games and I'm not talking about games against the Cowboys. Like those, those are very difficult games to win, especially at this stage of our rebuilding era. But against the Commanders and against the Giants and teams like that, this is where Chase Claypool will end up making a huge difference. And you know what? When you get near the goal line, if you have that threat, and now Valus Jones is becoming a threat too. Justin Fields running the ball is a threat. This is a team that I hope in the – starting now moving forward is going to be expected or just it'll be like they're scoring touchdowns they're not settling for field goals we're not going to see a lot of 32 yard field goals anymore we're going to see touchdowns we're not going to see 27 yard field goals we're going to see touchdowns that's what i expect probably more than anything the biggest difference between this team and what we've seen over the last couple of weeks play calling notwithstanding of more designed runs but i mean just being more efficient in the red area which is what i'm really looking forward to and I mean, the Bears actually aren't that bad right now in the red zone. They've steadily kind of 
climbed up the rankings. Their last couple of weeks been really good. Yeah. Yeah. Like that puts them ahead of Tampa. That puts them ahead of Seattle, even. Um, I think tennis, uh, New England. Yeah. Like the, like that's, I'm looking at the list right now. So yeah, I mean, that puts you ahead of some, even the giants at this point who I know that you were dismissing, but I mean, they're still, no, no, no. I, the, the, I'm not being dismissive of the giants. I'm well, you know what? The, the reason why you can't dismiss the giants and why they've been so good is because Saquon Barkley has been so good. Like just yeah. look at the game that they played against us. Like Daniel Jones had two monster bootlegs because we were so overly concerned with Saquon Barkley, and rightfully so, that you went out there and you let Daniel Jones beat you. Which, by the way, last week, I started Malik Willis in fantasy. That's what the Texans were supposed to be doing, is overkeying on Derrick Henry to allow Malik Willis to get a couple of cheapy touchdowns. They were like, no, 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 we're just going to let Derrick Henry beat us. And you're like, okay, fine. I used the first-round pick on him, so that's okay. Um, but I think, that, but again, like just adding pieces – to a team that's already been improving in the red area is only going to make them better. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't want to see any more. Like, I don't want to see any more. Like, no, 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 no field goals under 40 yards. Cause I want to see us going out there and, and converting those into touchdowns. And that'll go a long way. All right. How about another question? At least uh, my favorite part of bears getting Claypool as they stole him from the practice. I mean, that's fun, right? Like, we should we should sell them. What are the what are the Packers doing? Like what is happening with them? I, I mean, so it's interesting because they said that um, the Aaron Rodgers said this was the best that they felt going into a game was that Sunday night game in Buffalo as a team. So he said that you know the camaraderie and everything like that, and and just kind of the stuff going on behind the scenes, the chemistry, all that is seemingly getting better behind closed doors and stuff like that. The Packers had a, had a Halloween party this, this, this oh. weekend and they were all together and doing all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that, I mean, that stuff does translate on the field. I'm not going to discount that at all because it does. Um, when you are close as, as a franchise, I was just kind of shocked just given the fact that like, you just don't even have bodies at this point. That's the issue here. It's not only like you can debate the caliber of the receivers that Aaron has all you want, but right now he doesn't even have them. Like yeah. they have so many injuries and his safety blanket and Randall Cobb was taken away. And it just like, you have guys like Samori Torre who I'm so excited for him, but getting their first touchdowns of their career. And I mean, like, it's just, it's an unrealistic expectation to expect this offense to, hum and go and improve and win games. Like, I think that there was like a somewhat moral victory that they didn't get blown out by the bills. And I'm like, since when did the Packers like take that as a moral victory? Like, since when did the Packers take moral victories? Um, I just, I I think, I think they've gotten caught up with the fact that Aaron Rodgers has been able to do this year in and year out and elevate the players around him and figure things out and do, do a lot with not a lot. Um, but even when he was doing stuff with maybe not a lot of really like big name receivers, he still had a guy like Devonte Adams yeah. or Jordy Nelson or whoever that was his safety blanket. That was an elite player. The difference this year too, is his safety blanket is Randall is an aging Randall Cobb yeah. who is not categorically elite at least anymore. No. So like that has been the difference. And then the O-line shuffling. I know I just, I, I talk about O-line so much, but I just think it's so important. Um, but it's true. Like you had Alton Jenkins, who they thought was going to be able to go before the Bills game. And then, you know, they pulled him right before. And so that like threw a wrench into things. And then yeah. Christian Watson, the receiver really quick. So like they just have this rotating door and they can't keep people healthy. And like, I don't know, man. It's just you're you're putting way too much. I get that Aaron Rodgers is the fifty million dollar man, but like this is this is too much. No, not no one single person can play a team game like you know and and elevate absolutely everybody around him. And the defense is, I don't know, the defense is doing either. There's no there's no excuse for the defense. I it's think one they, step forward, two steps back. Oh my gosh, it is. I mean, it's delightful to watch. I think that, and this isn't delightful. I know that when David Bakhtiari went out. That has been a that's that's been a, a hole that they've just never been able to to fill, and unfortunately, his he's just never been able to get back. And you don't, I don't want to see teams lose that way. Like that's that's not fun. That's not exciting. But you know, it has been something they haven't been able to answer. And I I look at it, and it's funny because you want to make the joke about like they're like a Devonte Adams away 
from being good. But it's like you gave you 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 made that choice, you know. And I know that they're they're paying a lot of money to all these guys, but I'm like, why didn't you do one more? Like I would have gone for it one more year. Like I know that you have to eventually pay these guys, but it's like, God, I would have tried. Like, can you find a way to go one more year? I don't know how much longer Aaron Rodgers is going to play. So I don't know, but that's not something that we have to worry about. So it's been delightful to watch them kind of implode and do all that stuff. And it's also been delightful to be here with everybody and all the fans taking your questions. Let's do another question though, because I feel like it's important. Uh, isn't it refreshing <laughs> that the Bears are involved in the trade deadline? Bears fans usually watching on the sidelines, but now we're in the game. I will even take it one step further there, love Bears all, and we appreciate you being here uh, each and every week. The NFL trade deadline, to me, as a league initiative, the league is so good at creating tentpole events, like free agent. Like, why is free agency a thing? Like, we we create something out of nothing all the time, the trade deadline just never, it never caught on. Like there's never a big trade deadline. This year felt so different. Obviously you covering the NFC North. This has been amazing. I mean, I know it's been very difficult for you. You're very tired, <laughs> but it's been amazing, right? There's been a lot of cool stuff going on. Well, it's interesting too, that the trade deadline isn't more of a thing when free agency is because yes, free agency opens on a certain day, but then free agency goes for weeks and yeah. forever like it keeps going and it's not like the trade deadline is like a very hard stop so i'm yeah. like i don't understand exactly how they and and maybe that's that's going to be the case especially with teams more uh inclined to make moves i think i was i looked at a graph and i, I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head but it was like as the years have gone by you see more and more trades happening within one week of the trade deadline and then like on the day of the trade uh, of the trade deadline yeah, um, and we're seeing like the last couple of years, there's been like this uptick in inactivity, and so I think it's very interesting. And I think that if teams are willing to do this, and and this ends up happening, and honestly, like there's precedent for it in other leagues. Like it's a huge deal in the NBA and 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 even in Major League Baseball. And baseball, so, special, yeah, yeah. So like I don't know why it's not necessarily as big in the NFL, especially. I mean, it's a shortened season, sure, but. I mean, these seasons are so, I guess it, this year it's a very topsy-turvy season. So like just the, the fluctuations of teams that you thought were good that maybe aren't and then teams that are good that maybe you didn't think were going to be good. And now all of a sudden, like these, it seems like these teams like weren't prepared. Some of these teams weren't prepared for where they were come yeah. the trade deadline. Like the Vikings were like, oh, wait, we're contenders? Okay, okay yeah, we, uh, should, we should make sure that we get... A, a pro bowl caliber tight end. We don't just replace Irv Smith with any guy. We go get a pro bowl tight end and do that, even though he's in our division. And that was the lions like first interdivision trade since 1998. Insane. Like, and don't and the, and they had already traded with each other for picks. If you remember this past draft. Yeah. So it was just, it's been really fun. Um, and I think that this will probably be more of the norm moving forward because like, why wouldn't it be? It also got the NFL, all of the eyeballs and all of the clicks and all of that. So they've got every incentive to make it a thing. Not that we need it because we get it all the time, but it wasn't enticing to watch and everything like that. I was surprised though, that like Brandon cooks wasn't dealt like Houston. What are you doing? Like, you're not going to be good. Did you see his tweet? No. Oh, I'm going to read it because it was damning. It was Brandon very- Cooks upset. Oh, yeah. One of All the right. most underrated players in the NFL, which, by the way, you know, it's like one of those things, too. Like, maybe it's something the league can do to be like, hey, guys, like, if you have a player like Brandon Cooks and it feels like you can trade him, like, maybe you should. So, you his, it? yeah, his tweet says, don't take a man's kindness for granted. Covered for the lies for too long. These, those days are done. Cross the line with playing with my career. And then a Ooh. bow and arrow emoji. All right. Well, it's going to be very interesting with Brandon Cooks. Uh, <laughs> I just quote tweeted it with the frog and the tea. And I was like, spill it. Ooh, the, spill the, all the, of it. The tea lizard. Oh, we want it. Uh, we want it spilled. So I know that every week, though, I put you on the spot. So I'm going to talk for a second. So you can think of some final, some parting words of wisdom. I will say this. I am very encouraged uh, with everything that happened. I think that even before the Chase Claypool situation played out, I was very content. You know, Roquan Smith, unfortunately, again, the business of football rears its ugly head. You had to move on from him. We really didn't have a choice. 
And oh, okay. Sammy's saying take one more question. All right, Sammy. Oh. Let's take one more. I'm happy. Oh, by the way, yeah, of course. Um, wondering what your thoughts of not having Ted George is involved and the difference that Ian Cunningham has made as the assistant GM. Yeah, you're in the building way more than I am. What do you make of that? Like, what? How big has it been? Because I've I've said this before, and I thought that this was really a big thing. And I think again, nobody's gonna want to nobody's gonna want to believe this, but I think this is where Ryan Pace deserves a little bit of credit. That again, I think this is where Ryan Pace died, so Ryan Poles could go on and live. I think having Ted and George take a step back and letting football player people, excuse me, make decisions has been a huge benefit. What if what, what what's your view on that? I mean, I'm not so sure that Ted and and I, like I I don't know that they're necessarily not. Um, they're involved, there. I mean, they're they're there and involved, but it, it still feels like they're letting the the football people make the decisions, right? Which is good because you brought it. You made this new regime change, so like let the people that you brought in to do a job do the job. And I think Ian Cunningham what is just as much, if not more, important addition than Ryan Poles. I mean, to have that tandem of guys with yeah. the experiences they have um, is just like. It's clearly, again, this is the process and it's working and it just took a little while, but like, I, I just, I feel like I'm a broken record. That's what I was saying from no, the very please. beginning. I'm like, all right, this is happening. Like, it's not, it's not going to be pretty. It's just not like this, this team was in disarray. Everything was disorganized. And now um, it is, it's refreshing to know that this team is the, the organization itself is letting the people is hiring good people and then letting them do their jobs and not handcuffing them, at least seemingly from the outside. Um, and it's been awesome, too, because Ryan Poles has been super transparent. I mean, after all of these trades, he's met with the media and he yeah. is really under no obligation to do that. Um, you know, you're not necessarily like there's a lot of GMs that don't talk during the season at all. And it doesn't happen until after the season that, you know, you get the wrap up press conference from a GM. So, um Ryan Poles has so far, you know, he's, he's a man of his word. He's being super transparent and I, that's very much appreciated um, by media members. And I think by fans as well. So um, yeah, I'm really, I'm, I really like, I, I want to sing Ian Cunningham's praises a little bit more, just like given like his whole journey and you know what he's been able to do. I think it's great. And I think that he's a really good sounding board for Ryan Poles. I love, yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly with everything about that. By the way, if you've listened to this show, if you've watched this on the on the YouTubes or anything like that or on Facebook, first of all, thank you. You know that I love the McCaskey family. So I do not I do not mean that in any disrespectful way of letting the, the football family do it because I think that George and uh, of course Virginia and all them, I I sincerely believe. There is like they love Bears football so much, and I do not like when they get any sort of heat. You know what? They're they're, they're part of the Hallis family. They love this team, and I love them. I think they are great owners, and I I really do. I believe that. I I I root for teams that don't have great ownership. The Bears have good ownership, whether you want to give them credit or not. not I'm not you saying Carmen, but people in general. And like that's fine. I I understand that I die on this hill all the time. But I really do appreciate what they've done, especially now. You think about all the things that they've done recently that have been so proactive, not only hiring Ryan Poles, which, by the way, you know, they uh, they went out there and hired a, a minority candidate, not because he was, but, you know, they changed the look and the trajectory of the franchise. They brought in an assistant GM, which has been different. First time. They're, they're, now, they're now putting in a bid to, to purchase land at Arlington Heights to build a stadium, a state-of-the-art stadium. This family is doing what they can to bring the Bears into modern-day NFL football. It might have been a little bit later than a lot of you would have liked, but listen, they're getting there. They're doing it. So uh, I do appreciate all that. So, yeah, I agree with you on everything like that. I think Ian Cunningham has been fantastic, and uh, I could not be more thrilled with the way this team is that's you want it. to talk about the Eagles? You want to talk about the Eagles? Uh, the the turnaround last year. I mean, Ian Cunningham came from the Eagles, so he has just and then was mentored by what Ozzie Newsom, yeah, and all and all that. Like he has, which now kind of it makes the Roquan Smith trade <laughs> kind of an interesting. Uh, 
No, just like an interesting tie in there. But no, I mean, like, yeah, that I think that uh, I feel like these assistant GMs, whether or not they have the title are also kind of the norm. I mean, uh, just from my experience with these team front offices, like there's usually a right hand man of the GM that pretty much acts as an assistant GM. So it's cool, though, that he gets to have the title, because hopefully that means that eventually that he's going to get his own GM title. Eventually, yeah. Doesn't but have not, to yet. Be not yet, not yet. Not like we year. want. We want him for this offseason. <laughs> Doesn't have to be this year. And by the yeah. way, like I remember, like the the whole like 180 on Luke Getzey that everybody before the season started were like, we're worried about him getting a job with another team. And then everybody wanted him fired after two weeks. Now we're going to be back to the like, oh, we, he's gone again. Uh, which which are all good problems to have. But yeah, yeah go back to answer that question. Love what Ian Cunningham has meant, and I think that this Bears team and this organization. And it's being noticed. I mean, I was listening to Colin Cowherd today talking about how the Bears are growing up. And they're like, they're joining big boy football. And you know what? It, it does feel that way. And it does feel like, you know, whether these moves work out or not, we're now joining the rest of the NFL. You look at the Giants and the Jets. Like, they made big moves, you know, recently, which is why they're playing so well, why their record reflects that. Uh, even the Minnesota Vikings eventually having to move on from Mike Zimmer and bringing in KOC and getting a little bit more modern. Like, these were moves that had to be made, and I think the Bears are right there. And while some of these other teams are sitting on their hands at the trade deadline, you don't know what they're doing. The Bears are out there making things happen. If it pays off, you know, we might look back on, you know, but we're out there. We're on the dance floor. We're trying to make moves. It's like watching a guy at the open mic. He could bomb or he could kill. But he's out there, he's on the stage, and he's making things happen. So how are you feeling overall? You feel good? Yeah. Again, I, like, I've trusted the process with this team this entire time. Not to say I told you so. But, I mean, I, I feel like this is, this is what I pretty much expected. Like, they were going to look real rough. And maybe not. Thanks for making the game easier. You're welcome, Mike. Okay, Mike. Goofy. goofy. I, goofy I appreciate that he's taking it. Listen, Mike McDaniel. I love him. He, uh, I listen, I'm a huge fan of his as well. And uh, we appreciate him checking in. This is how he gets the pulse of the team. He comes in and watches take it to the rank on Tuesday night. That's how he knows. Uh, but listen, it was a great show. Thank you so much once again, Carmen, for being here. Uh, tell everybody how they can find you. Follow you on Twitter at Carmy V. Uh, yeah. while, we're, while we're all still verified. Um, <laughs> by the way, you got that Fox money. I'm telling yeah. you, no, like whatever it costs, you're paying it because I'm not paying that. But in any event, um, call, call yeah. me on Twitter, on Twitter, on Instagram, Fox Sports, foxsports.com. That's where you'll find my articles. There it is. All right. Well, why don't I sign off for the both of us, uh, for, for Carmen, for me, for Sammy and Anello. Uh, we appreciate you being here on a Tuesday night. We will have a great show as we preview the this week nine game against the Miami Dolphins. That'll be dropping later this week. Uh, we appreciate you all being here. And uh, until then, bear down. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Air Pura. <laughs>